All right. Joel Grimes, thank you so much for making time and coming out here. It thank is you. a pr privilege to have you here. I think most people know who you are. Most people in this space uh, who, who know anything about photography have heard of your name. But just in case um, we have some young listeners maybe who are just getting into photography, could you please introduce yourself? Well, I'm Joel Grimes. I am a, uh, let's say, commercial advertising photographer for the most part. Um, still look at myself as an artist with a camera, uh, but I've been making a living with my camera for 40 years. And I was told I couldn't do that, uh, not to expect to do that. And I didn't set out to prove anyone wrong. I just set out to live my dream. And you've done it. Yes. You've done it. And your work is a testimony of your artistry. And uh, you've kind of become a legend for many of someone who stays in the game, not just kind of making it by, but somebody who reinvents themselves and stays on top. And, and ev at every decade, you're always producing fantastic work. And, and you stay relevant, you know, which is incredible. Like you're, you're a hero to many people. So um, I want to zoom into that a little bit and, and, and we'll start with the artistry of it, right? So um, a question I like to ask many people is how do you even define what is an artist? Well, when I was in school, a fine art school, um, they said that was undefinable and to some degree. I mean, because you go there thinking you're going to get the answer to that question. And then in the end, they don't really define it for you because it's too broad or too... Uh, you know, everyone's got Elusive. a different, I, yeah. yeah. But I define an artist as if you have a passion to create, you're an artist. And art is defined simply by uh, someone who has, a, uh, it's a revelation of, or a manifestation of who they are. You Something that you are, you're, you're putting it, if you're, you know, your painter, uh, you put it on canvas, it's an extension of extension you. of who you are, right? It's 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 uh, a revelation of you, and and that's the beauty of art is that it is not. We can be influenced by others, but you don't copy others. You set out to be someone who's unique. We all are unique, but mm -hmm. someone who has a voice that's unique, mm -hmm. and you stand firmly within that without wavering. And yeah. that's the hard part about being an artist. And this is why artists oftentimes get offended when you criticize their work is because yeah. it's an extension of you. It's yeah. like, you're yeah. criticizing me now. Yeah. Um, and it's, that's hard, isn't it? It is. Well, we're human. We're human. So that's mm -hmm. our biggest stumbling block. Um, but what most people don't understand, and it's taken me years to understand this, is that and I love music, and I think music is a great analogy to sort of look at because if you and I are driving down the road and we're on a road trip and you say, I'm going to pull out my road trip music, it probably wouldn't match exactly what I like. The odds are not, right? And I pull out my road trip music and you're going to go, oh, geez, I'm going to be subjected to this for the next four hours <laughs> because we all have a personal preference of what we like. And so, and that's the beauty of it, right? So, so why would I expect everyone to love what I do? Well, we do in a way, right? We want everyone to love what we do. So when I come across someone who doesn't love what I do, why is it like a knife stabbed in my heart 
right? It, I take it personally and I be crushed by it, but I shouldn't be because that person doesn't like what I do because that just doesn't fit them. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost a good thing in a way because good art always divides people. Well, you, know? you, and as an artist, you have to have, to have praise, you have to have criticism. Mm -hmm. If you don't have criticism, you become, um, I call it the Michael Jackson syndrome where you, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Michael, you're so amazing. All the people around him, oh, Michael, you're so amazing. And he just got weirder and weirder as time went on, right? He was still a genius. But it's like, someone need to say, Michael, no, that's just not, right? You need someone to tell you sometimes. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't get it. The kids or, shouldn't be here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so we need someone to come along to rebalance us out and reset us. And I think sometimes criticism can make us fight harder for our vision, right? Our, as the, 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 you know, the Joel Grimes look or whatever I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. And I fight harder for it. And so I need that criticism and, um, what we avoid it at all cost. Yeah. Do you, I mean, you're an accomplished photographer. How does that look in your life? Is there anybody who criticizes your work? Do you get it from <laughs> every single day on social media and you can't avoid it. Yeah. And a lot of times the critic, people that are criticizing you are just, they're not very constructive. No, they're, well, media. they're, they're insecure themselves yeah. and they're, they're, they haven't accomplished anything. So they just want to go and they, Makes it's not you better. personally there after yeah. they just see someone successful and they want to, you know, poke yeah. at them. So, um, the, I think today, like, like my wife, Amy will probably take it more personally than I do. Cause she protects me a little bit. And then she's always the one that's, you know, kind of handling my social media. So she gets up early in the morning and, and, you know, five o'clock she's reading the social media stuff and she sees someone that, you know, takes a stab at me. And then when I wake up, she's already flames are coming out of her ears, you know, and cause she's taking it personally and I'm like, Oh, well, whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just, it's, it's, um, it's hard not to, but every day I probably get somebody poking something at me. Yeah. And that's, and that's fine. That's part of the game. Part of the game. It's part of the game. You have to accept it. Yeah. So I'm curious how you, your development as an artist, um, you know, I mean, everybody has some artistry in them, right? But your, I, I guess more specifically your pursuit of excellence in it, because you know, everyone, everyone starts out kind of just learning, you know, as, as photographers, learning how to use equipment and they're all kind of on the same page, but there was, there was something that made you pursue excellence, um, beyond everyone. Was it a work ethic? Was it a mindset? What was it? Well, I think we have, obviously we all have different personalities. I have four boys. They're completely different. Um, and you try to get them to, you know, if they have one personality, you try to correct it to, you know, cause we all have our personalities all have a positive side to that personality. And then there's a negative side to that personality. Mm -hmm. And so you have to learn how to manage that so that, you know, I'm a good talker, right? So, uh, when I am at a conversation around the table, I tend to dominate the conversation. So it's a good thing. I'm a good talker cause I can, you know, sit down with anyone on a train or, 
plane or whatever and just talk and I just can go on and on, right? But then there's a time when you, you, you don't let someone else speak, right? So Amy, she, she teases me a lot because we'll go somewhere and we'll have a, a lunch or something and the person's a talker like me and they're just going 100 miles an hour and I'm trying to get a word in, but I can't. And then when we leave the, 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 the lunch, she says, how did, that, how did that go for you? And I said, well, I couldn't get a word in. And she says, well, how does that make you feel? I go, terrible. She goes, now you know what everyone else thinks, you know? <laughs> but it's like, because I'm a good talker, there's a positive side to that, but there's also yeah. the negative yeah. side. Our strengths are always, our yeah. weaknesses, they're correlated. I think that when it comes to um, an interest, like you have an interest in playing the guitar, um, maybe writing songs and singing, and you want to be a singer-songwriter, whatever, you want to uh, have, a, have your, your craft and your, develop your skills. Um, I think that if you look at the history of what we have uh, in the past, you have someone like Bob Dylan, and you, you it's, let's say you just now for the first time heard Bob Dylan, and it depends on what song, but if you just hear that, you go, who is this guy? You know, he couldn't sell a record to save his life, right? Kind of nasally, you know, everybody must get, you know, he's got that. He talks like that too, right? Mm -hmm. But when you go and you look at the history of rock and they'll say, who are the top 10 most influential artists in rock? He's like right up there, right? So how is that possible? Well, because he developed a signature style and approach to his music, singer, songwriter, and he was a poet with his lyrics and but his even his nasally kind of voice and his you know he maybe had 10 chords on a guitar that's all he knew it somehow drew in a group of people that loved it and were influenced the Beatles were influenced by him you know and so um so you think well he if you if you went to voice you know school a music school where you studied you know voice They'd say, this guy doesn't have a chance in hell. But that's not usually the people that become the best and the best. They yeah. don't have the most perfect voices. Yeah. But they have something about them that is a package that people relate to. And it's an emotional thing. Music is an emotional thing, right? Mm-hmm. Photography has to be an emotional thing to win over your viewers. Mm-hmm. And so it's a combination of things that you do. So I think that... When we look at, uh, I, f- I fell in love with photography. I could have fallen in love with something else too. Um, my strengths lie in the fact that I am a very goal-oriented, driven person. So I set a sight on my goal and I go for it. And then I get beat down, but I never stop looking at the goal. And I never quit. And I think some of that came from my early days in sports. I was a gymnast, but even before I was a gymnast, I ran track, I did football. Um, and, you know, I had to work toward a goal. And gymnastics was very goal-oriented. And you'd have a, you know, you'd be working on uh, your, one of your, like say the rings or the high bar, and you had to put a certain, uh, you know, I say trick, but some, you know, where you do something and you practice it over and over and over again. Then you get it down, but then when you're in competition, you get nervous 
and then you don't make it, right? You, you, it's, you have to be able to do it in competition too. So it's very focused, very driven. And I think that maybe served me well as I got older. Yeah. Um, I also think my dad uh, instilled in all us boys, we have four boys in our family, one girl and four boys, I mean my sister, we're hard workers. We've always been hard workers. My dad didn't let us, you know, slack. You know, he just, he, he was tough on us and very disciplined. And I think that's paid off over the years. Um, but I think also in, 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 in find, finding something that I really love. And I think photography is an interesting, um, an arena of, you've got two worlds that collide. It's the technical and the creative. And, and you, it, I think as a natural, we come out of the womb, maybe more technically minded, engineer minded, or we become more creative minded, right? And so when you are more creative minded, you have to work on the technical because mm-hmm. your pictures are out of focus and whatever. And, and it's very, you're very creative, but mm, you're lacking on the, you know, the, the skill, yeah, yeah. Ex- execution. If you're very technical, it's a sharp, perfect exposure, everything, but it's kind of boring. Yeah, it looks like everybody else is. Yes, so you have to have those two worlds uh, balanced out. Mm -hmm. And I had a professor when I, my first um, semester at a college level, it was in junior college. I I went to Pima Community College in Tucson, then I went to ASU for two years and then finished up at U of A with my degree in photography. But um, Lou Bernal was this incredible, inspirational human being and it really was, I think, in a way, what kicked me off with really being uh, passionate about photography. I already had the interest in photography, but he painted a different picture. And he said something, and I've said this many times in different interviews. The first week of class, he said, photography is not just a way to document the world around you, but it's an opportunity for you to be an artist and have an ex- a way to express your artistic vision. And I was sitting there at 19 years old going, that's what I want to do. And I, no one had ever really painted that picture that way before me before. And so um, it, I, it, I think I've been chasing that ever since. And he was very balanced. He was very technical, but he also was very artistic. And so as a, I think, a model that I've had uh, to, to mentor my, my someone, I, it, was, it was really his influence has been very, yeah. very much yeah. a part of what I do. Well, for art to be true art, it's, it's, and I always say this and I've said this in other interviews, it's, it has to be like a pure self-expression and it can't be hindered with any um, agendas, even with any kind of utility. And that's what makes it especially difficult when you live in a world that rewards utility and not necessarily, you know, passion because it doesn't know what to do with it most of the time. And especially if you're trying to make money doing photography, um, it, it gets very, um, it gets very confusing. And there's always this tension because when your clients hire you, they have an objective, right? And, and your work has to suit their needs, but you want to self-express. I think the perfect position to be in as a photographer is, and it takes years. It's not usually, you don't start out this way is you have to be able to build a body of work that represents you as an artist that still fits the market, but it represents you as an artist. And then you get hired for that look. So you're not hiring you to say, we want you to do this look. 
Mm-hmm. And I've had that happen. Uh, in the early days, I shot everything and I tried to copy other photographers, you know. Um, but there comes a point when you have to cross into this um, sort of the space where you say, this is me, therefore, that's what I want to be hired for. And when you have a family and you got you know, four kids and you got, you know, bills and all that, it's really hard to make that jump. And it, it takes a little bit, well, it's a risk, but it takes, um, and I'll, we can talk more about this, but when I first started out and I had no, we used to call them tear sheets. So it was a tear sheet was a magazine uh, ad that you did or a magazine cover or something. And you would take it and you would, we would, in the early days, we'd laminate it on, a, on an 11 by 14 board. And that was my portfolio. Mm-hmm. So we'd laminate tear sheets and prints. Then we went to transparencies. We'd be eight by 10 transparencies on a board. And then you'd show that to the art director. Um, so when I started getting tear sheets, I put them in my book because that gave me some kind of credibility. And it would be the whole, the tear sheet meaning it's, it's not the photograph just by itself. It's the type and everything the cover, the, mm-hmm. you know, and usually the printing's not that good, but it's a tear sheet. You know, I got the cover of whatever magazine. And then once I got my book full of tear sheets, it, it almost started to where I started losing my vision as an artist. Because these are all images that I'm doing for a client, trying to make a living. There's a compromise there. And so what I did was I shifted my book to where tear sheets were only 20% and then 80% self assignments. Well, you think, well, self assignments, that's not a real job. That's you on the weekend or something. Right. And I found art directors always liked my self assignment stuff and they go to the tear sheets. Oh, wow. This is great, Joel. And so then I took out almost all tear sheets and well, I don't have any tear sheets. I haven't used tear sheets in probably 25 years. Mm. I'll have a picture from a, maybe an ad campaign, but it's not with all the type and all that. Mm. So no tear sheets, only images. Mm. And even in that, probably 80% of the images that I show an art director are still self assignments. So that goes back to a photographer has to be able to create work that is not being hired by a client. And it's your dime, your time, and expense and everything that's, that's being put into a shoot, a shoot. And a lot of photographers don't do that. They're like, hey, I've had photographers tell me, look, if I'm not getting paid, I'm not gonna pull my camera out. So I think my career mm. has um, blossomed because of my self-assignment work and pushing that into the marketplace. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you've, I mean, you've been doing this for a minute and uh, I imagine that your work has changed over the years. Yeah. Um, and we've talked a lot about this with you, this whole idea of reinventing yourself. And I think of anybody that I know of or ever heard of, like you are the prime example of that, of somebody, you know, cause if you don't reinvent yourself, you, you become, irrelevant you kind of you dwindle away or you get burned out um it's not good because you can only do the same thing for so long the world changes right yeah and you got to change with us with it so um could you share your journey 
Well, I, I remember because I, you know, as you grow up, you have a lot of photographer friends and um, you'll see a photographer that is rocking it. And then all of a sudden they kind of fade. Pretty soon nobody's hiring them. And they're still living off the same images that they did 10 years ago that they were rocking, you know, that was making them, you know, very successful. And they just died. And I saw that and I even experienced that somewhat with my work where I realized I got to, I got to up my game. And, um, I'll give you an example. Um, in the end of the 1990s time before it was before digital, I was, I went and started shooting, uh, four by five type 55 Polaroid negative film on a four by five camera and doing portraits. And I took that camera all over the world and I shot for clients, but I, I started by my doing it for self assignments. Then I got started getting hired by ad campaigns and everything with that look. So I'd show up on a big ad campaign with a four by five shooting portraits. People are like, what are you? But that was my look and I got hired and it was sort of like the art director's like, this guy's crazy, man. He shoots portraits with a four by five. Anyways, and I had that look and I, I uh, became very successful. That kind of launched me on a national level. I was in Denver at the time and it just kind of, um, things really blossomed in that direction. And so I was riding a wave and, and very successful wave with that look. And I shot, I think about 7,000 sheets of that's in, I process every one of those sheets myself and very time consuming. And digital came along, which was, I don't think it was so much digital, but there came a point when that look started to kind of fade in the marketplace. Art directors just kind of, oh, we've seen that, mm -hmm. right? And I kind of started to sense that. And um, my wife, Amy and I, we talk a lot and, you know, I'll, you know, we'll just kind of chat through things. And, and it was like, well, it's time I got to reinvent myself, right? And so then I start, I got, it was digital, it was, fairly new. I had a 12 megapixel camera at the time or 11 point something. And I started doing that edgy portrait stuff with the sports stuff. Started, I, 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 lighting I'd never done before. And I just bring subjects in and start practicing. And I shot hundreds of athletes and started putting them as my portfolio. And then all of a sudden it just launched me on a whole new level. Part of it was that the social media was coming along at the time, Flickr and, um, it literally overnight, I think I would say it took me nationally. I mean, uh, or I mean, internationally, it went crazy. And, um, and it was all came out of that one period that I thought, okay, I've, it's, it's taken its course. I can't live on this the rest of my life, that type 55 Polaroid portraits. So I had to do something else. So I've been running that for, well, I did that for 10 years for a while. I mean, composites and all that stuff. And then um, I've shifted around a little bit um, and started doing some new stuff. I don't think I've done a composite in years now, probably three or four years, uh, maybe one or two, but you know, but it's all in camera now. I'm doing multiple, I'm, now I'm shooting a lot of, um, well I call it kind of a composite in camera, but it's, it's, I'll give you an example. I have a cowboy out there in the field and I bring my lights in to the cowboy when I'm shooting a wide angle lens and I shoot the strobes close to the cowboy, the light's perfect. And then I take the lights out and shoot a plate frame. Mm. And then in Photoshop, I 
take the two together and I paint mm-hmm. it so that he's lit perfectly, but there's no lights in the scene. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You but I cut the lights out. Basically. Yeah, cut the lights out. So I do that a lot. And only I'm taking that to more levels where I'm doing multiple people and, you know, mm-hmm. I, it looks like I have 30 lights on a set, but I only have maybe five, mm-hmm. four or five. That seems like a lot of editing post-production. It, there is, the... there is, but but it's taking photography to another level yes. of you know sort of what we have the tools at hand. But um, but I guess my my thing is is that um, I have to stop and think, you know, what that run that I've had is about. A, I always say seven to ten years. It could be even less than that now because mm, time everything is, changes so fast yeah, now. Yeah, so you have a run, and then you got to go. I can't live on this forever. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just, the, last month I got a, a studio in LA and I'm going from Phoenix to LA back and forth uh, solely to just build content and do some crazy stuff. Just non-commissioned. Non-commissioned. This is, this all just, for me. All, it's a huge expense. Huge yeah. expense. I could go buy a vintage car, put it in my garage and drive it on weekends. Or I could take that money and go rebuild my, you know, my look. That's amazing. You said every seven to ten years. That's what you've seen. I think I think it's about it's a run. Yeah, you yeah. talk to any musician. Yeah. The Beatles had ten years. Well, the Stones mm-hmm. they've been around a long time, but <laughs> <laughs> they're an exception. Yeah, only but, if you get. I yeah. mean, if you're Pavarotti or yeah. something. But you have a you have a run, and then you have to go and and relook at that. Um, yeah. You know, and so I actually like the idea of reinventing myself. It's more fun. It is. Otherwise, it, things get stale. It does. Right? It, it gets stale, and I think, I think so. It works both ways. You, as an artist, get stale. Your audience gets tired of you. Mm-hmm. You get bored. Yeah. So you have to move on, and it's a, it takes a lot of energy to move on. I would say the last you know, um, the last run that I've had, I've worked harder than I've ever worked in my career, and the more hours and, and harder uh, in terms of. I've learned a few things, but, but part of that reason was, is I looked, I realized how valuable it was to reinvent myself. So I put more energy and more time or, uh, you know, resources into it. Mm-hmm. So this time, so I'd say in a career, you're going to reinvent yourself probably five, four or five times. If you want to do it long term. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I see many will go in. I think there's a, I, I did this um, survey at one point of how many years somebody stays a photographer before they transition out to something else. And um, 15 was like that maximum, but, but like from 10 to 15, yeah. like 80% of them just leave. Yeah. And, and I think it's because they can't, they don't know how to reinvent. They don't even maybe know that they should be doing that. Right. Um, another thing that I've noticed about you um, is in these seasons, when you would have like a look or a thing that you would be doing, you would usually stay focused on that thing. And I see many photographers, you know, you'll ask them, oh, what, what kind of work do you do? And they'll say, oh, I do everything. And anytime I hear that, I'm like, either you're just starting, so you haven't figured yourself out. Yeah. Or you're, or you're actually good at everything, which is probably not very likely, <laughs> you know, or, or, or you don't understand how this works, maybe, because um, to actually get good, exceptionally good, to stand out, uh, you have to have a niche. Well, I, so... I'll give you an example of, of sort of how I think things work and, and it's the history of how I've sort of my, you know, my track record of how I've done things. 
when uh, before digital. Well, actually, it was yeah, it was the very transition of digital from film to digital. Um, my wife Amy would take the kids in the summer, and she would go up to a uh, summer camp, and she would volunteer, and the kids would volunteer, and then they'd have their camp week too. And so they were gone for like maybe sometimes a month or so. And one of the things that's a really strange for me is to be home without anyone in the home because I'm on the road constantly. So when I come home, I'm at, hello, hello, nobody's around, right? That's just odd, you know. So I was home and they were gone. And I was like, wow, this is weird. I got to do something, right? And so I had this idea to go out and, and do... I called them portraits of cactus. So I'd go out and strobe cactus in the field, not high noon, but like, you know, it wasn't the usually the last light, but it was overpowering the, stro the sun with strobes and lighting cactus and then, you know, getting this really beautiful picture. And because we're in Arizona, right? Cactus is everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And so I go out and my first 30 days or 30 attempts was a disaster. I'd set it up, I'd use a softbox. Well, the softbox doesn't throw a lot of light, so it would be, I couldn't get enough light on the cactus. And then the wind would blow them over, I'd try an umbrella, and the next time I'm down to just a bare head, and I was too far away, I'd move the lights closer, and then I was pointing the, 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 the lens in the wrong direction, because you want cross light, so, but you want a cactus with like mountains in the background or something, right? So you, if you, you get, find this great cactus, but it's like, it's in the wrong direction. So you want to shoot this way, but I can't because mm. that's the composition is not right. So I went out in the desert and just fumbled like the first series of stuff that I was doing was terrible. That you just kept going. You had I something going. in your mind you and had like an idea. So I made you know 30 days of bad photos. And then one day it clicked. One day I was like, I got to point my camera either north or south because you got cross light, right? The sun sets or sunrise. So you got to have your camera point north and south. So you drive around, and I'd bounce down hills with my back in the you know four-wheel drive, looking for the perfect cactus. But it had to be to where I point the camera south or point it north. So I go north cactus. Nope, 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 nope. And I drive around. So finally, I learned, at least, composition-wise, what worked best. Then I learned how to get the light to the cactus to where it showed up, and then darken the sky and whatever. And eventually it started to come together. And after 80 days, because they eventually came home, but I would still go out and I just kept pushing it, kept pushing it, just trying, trying. And then I built like the last, say, you know, it was like over about a three month period. I finally started getting pictures that were pretty amazing. And then I put on my site and then Arizona Highways Magazine saw them and they're a big color photography uh, splash magazine for Arizona and I had done work with them when I did the Nav book on the Navajo but the reason why I tell the story is that they saw those images I shot them for myself they saw those images and they were in black and white right and they're not a black and white um, magazine traditionally and they went and called me for another assignment and they said it was a portrait assignment and they said, oh, we love your cactus stuff. It's, this is really unique. And I said, yeah, well, if you like it, run it in your magazine. And there was kind of like a silence on the, you know, the phone with this editor, photo editor. And he goes, well, 
you know, I might give that a thought. So three days later, he calls me back and he says, Joel, um, I presented your work to our uh, associate photo editor and the art directors and the, the staff, and they think we should run this. And we haven't run a cover, a black and white cover in 50 years. It's been almost exactly 50 years. The last person that we ran in black and white was Ansel Adams. But we're going to run a black and white of your one of your desert cactus strobe stuff. And um, the, he, the editor said, now this is shot on medium format camera, right? I said, no, it's digital. And he goes, digital? Well, it's only 12 megapixels. I go, no, but I stitched it. So I have mm-hmm. a higher megapixel count because mm-hmm. I've stitched all these images and i said i also strobed it he didn't know i strobed him at first he goes wait you stitched it you strobed it's digital it's black and white uh and then i said and well in one of the shots i actually dropped in the sky clouds (laughs) i manipulated the image he goes oh my gosh he goes i gotta get back to you so the story goes and he now he lectures uh, jeff kidda who's the the, the, there was the assistant photo editor, now is the photo editor. He goes around lectures and he tells the story. Because people come to me and say, we heard your story. But he said, he was in the, the conversation and they said, Joel, he shot this on digital. And they're like, and he stitched it and all this stuff. And Jeff Kidda said to the photo editor, you better get on board because Joel's the future of where photography's going. So they ran that story, or the, they did 12-page spread of my cactus and the cover, and they dedicated that issue, I think it's October, as a photo issue. So my issue was the first they ever did, what they call a photo issue. And now every year they run a photo issue with photo you know, trends and all that they talk about. And so I tell the story is that, I shot those pictures for me, and I really didn't do a very good job at first. I had to fumble through it to get some good stuff. And then here's a magazine running black and white, and they're breaking every rule to get my work in print because I went that extra yard to fine-tune that look. And it takes time. And you can't – so if I'm going to do a series like I'm working on now, it's going to take me a couple years. To fine-tune that series. Not, it's well, not going to happen overnight. You know what's really interesting as I listen to this? Okay, so what I see is most of the time photographers, they will see another image that somebody else has done, and then they get to work, how do I make it look like that? Right. And then they're trying, and they're working hard, and then they finally kind of get it, and they're always mimicking. Right. The story you tell is you see an image in your mind. It's not, it's not that you saw this cactus lit that way somewhere stitched, and you're like, I need to go do it. You, you, you saw something in your mind and you were obsessed with it enough to do this for months before you got that image. Because I think that uh, the tools are changing constantly. So now we have strobes that have battery packs. So you can do something you couldn't do before. So I'm, I always take the technology that we have and I say, how do I apply that to something that's new? Mm-hmm. And it's usually a different direction than what it was designed for like tilt shift lenses i use tilt shift lenses all the time it's architectural lenses but i don't use them for architecture i use them for portraits so it's like i always think about how do i apply that to something that's different that's new and i'll go back to this statement and i say this all the time and people want to correct me and i say i am no creative genius and uh 
you know, uh, I'll prove it to you. Just hang out with me for a day. <laughs> I'm not a creative genius, but I'm very tenacious and I'm very focused on something until I get it right. And so I don't think we need creative geniuses. I think we need hardworking people that don't quit and they go after something and, and then to have the, I would say, the, uh, the ability to take a risk to be criticized. So yes. do something, put it out there and then say, okay, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't work, it's not because it's probably not a good idea. It's because I just haven't fine tuned it enough. Mm -hmm. So, so, okay. So, I mean, creating amazing work, being an artist, that's one side of the equation. And, um, I often tell creatives that in order to do art, you, you need a foundation. You got to pay bills. Uh, there needs to be a system that some somehow you're you can't be worried about your next paycheck when you're doing this kind of art because it's going to distract you. You're you're going to be psychologically in the wrong place. And so you know when someone transitions to doing this full time is one thing, but um, how somebody sets up their business so that they're actually making money and how much time one needs to dedicate to that I think is also a really important conversation and something you talk about a lot um, that uh, I think you've said before that just as much time as you spend doing the craft you have to think about how to get the clients yeah, marketing and um, being able to track what you're doing and keeping everything organized is a must because we are overwhelmed and so are our directors or anyone else. They're all overwhelmed mm -hmm. with too much work, too much time, you know, not a little time. But you have to be able to manage your business. And um, when you drop the ball with a client, they're not going to come back. If you look unprofessional, they're not going to come back. Or if you, you hand them an invoice that looks like it was, you know, something that was designed 30 years ago as a template off the Internet, it just looks terrible. They're not gonna. They're just gonna go. You're not a very successful photographer, mm -hmm. and so you have to have something. And I have long, uh, early, early days. Um, Amy will even tell you this that I bought a computer. We got married, and it was a you know a PC computer back before I went to Mac in 1990. But this is back in 1980. It's 88, 87, 88. I bought this computer. Yeah. And you had it. All you had was a blinky little thing on the screen. You had to write to just Commands. to code, just yeah. to get it to open up and boot. And I got this program. I don't know. I went down and it was like basically a spreadsheet program. And I'm terrible at math. I hate the academic side of anything. And I sat down for months with a book that thick. And I built out delivery receipts, invoice, uh, you know, to hand to clients. I tracked everything. I built this tracking system for my business. And that was, what, 30 years old at that time. And it did not exist. You did not have a program to go out. But I spent months building that thing. And because then it's essential. It's essential. And because I had to track everything. You hand, you hand a client uh, back in the days, you handed them your slides. And you had them, you, you had them 82 slides. You got to get 82 slides returned to you. And you got to have a way of knowing which one they are. Otherwise they'll, they'll keep them. And then you're like, where's my slides? Well, where's the, 
the you know the invoice or not the invoice but the uh, the delivery receipt well i don't have it and it's like well we can't prove to me that we have the slides right or whatever it'll prove you and then scheduling i i would i would make thousands of cold calls and hundreds of portfolio showings all that had to be tracked because you can't call someone up and say hey i'm joel grimes i'm a new photographer in town i'd love to show the portfolio and they go well we're really busy right now but you know maybe in a, in a couple months well then you forget to write that down and then the next week you call hey i'm joel grimes i'm a photographer you know, they go you just talked to me last week yeah. you got egg on your face i mean there are so many mistakes yeah. you can make yeah talk and about I'm, the power of nine that, that's the earth well it's the power of eight or but eight. it's now probably the power of nine because we're, we're, power <laughs> of we're busy now <laughs> well the idea of that whole thing was is that um you know there's a whole group of people trying to do what you do right and you're trying to get someone to remember who you are and you can't we've proven it in studies that if i come up to you and say i'm joel grimes for the first time you've ever met me you walk away you probably won't remember my name unless you're really good at that kind of thing. But most of us are like, who was that? Um, so when you go and, and you talk to an art director on the phone or something, they're not going to remember, remember who you are. So and prior to um, uh, me really starting to knock on doors, I had a studio mate who he would, he would listen to these marketing tapes, like cassette tapes, and like, like real estate, you know, um, type marketing. But it was, back then they'd say, you need to make six points of contact. And then by the time I came along, I said, well, it's eight. So I used to call it the power of eight, which is I had to make at least six points of contact to that art director before they would remember who I am. And once I made that eighth, you know, by the time I got to eight, they knew Joel Grimes, the name Joel Grimes. And what happened is, is when they get into crisis, they, my name pops up in their head. And so I built my whole career around this idea that I was tenacious enough to hit the same art director at least eight times. You talk to any photographer that's out there and they, no, no one does this, right? Oh. And they're always starving and they can't pay their bills. But you get into this where you can do the power of eight and it's, it's like magical dust on these people to hire you. Mm -hmm. And I built my career on it. And so it's really amazing. I talk a lot about that. It takes a little longer than just, you know, a few minutes yeah. to talk about it. But What's, what, so you were building your own system to track who you talk to, when you talk to, yes. when to follow up. And then I got a buddy that was a coder, you know, back in the day. And we sit down for two years and I built a, we called it Time Shark. We built a complete management system for um, running your business. Two years, we, we did every Thursday and every Saturday, we worked coding and building that thing out. And <clears throat> I finally realized that I'm a photographer, not a software engineer or developer. And it's a long story. And I ran that for 10 years, that program. But, um, and then, you know, Apple changed and, you know, we mm -hmm. didn't have, it was OS 9. And then mm -hmm. it was a long story. But I, then I ended up like a fish out of water with not a, pro, I mean, I had to go back to looking for a program that would, and I started trying to build my own again. And you ever heard of Bento? Remember Bento? Yeah, I have. Started building that. It's like a tracking system. But it was really hard. And then I came across this program called Bloom. It was I've incredible. It. No, but <laughs> the first time I saw, I mean, I looked at a lot of different things out there. They looked archaic. Mm -hmm. The first time I saw Bloom was like, this is clean design. Right off the bat. Mm -hmm. You're like, wow, this is clean. The forms look good. 
And as I got into it, I was like, wow, this is pretty intense. This is, covers a lot of stuff. And then you and I talked and then um, I started using it. And, and it's, uh, you can make an estimate literally on the phone with an art director in minutes. While you're talking, you can have mm -hmm. an estimate to them. Yeah, yeah. Because like, there's really two yeah. options. Like you need a system, you need right. a system. And anybody who's doing a business, like the gears have to turn, things have to happen. Yeah. And either you cobble things together using tools that are designed mostly for SMB, small, medium businesses. Usually that means 10 employees and up. So their needs are different. And, and you're paying for features and an interface. And when you're cobbling it all together, you can't ultimately give your clients an experience that's premium. It's going to be like, go here, make an account and do this. You will go drop here, the ball. Go, yeah, and you're going to forget you're gonna, things. You're, you're not going to, you yeah. have to re-enter data. Yeah. And the, the cost of that actually ends up being really expensive on your yeah. time and, right. and, and paying all the platform fees. Yeah. And um, yeah, so using a unified system is absolutely critical or having a way that your machine runs. If, if you to think about how many hours I spent creating my own platform to manage my business, we're talking enough to where I could, I mean, a lot, right? Mm -hmm. You could take a program like what you guys have built and it would probably take you a couple weeks. I mean, cause you have to figure out where, okay, if I might, if I want to, you know, deliver something, what, where's that at? And you yeah, have, you to know, figure out the whole yeah, thing, the exactly, whole system. The whole, yeah, system. Yeah. But once you get past that and you mm -hmm. do a couple jobs, mm -hmm. that's it. It's just you're boom, flying. boom, 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 yeah. boom. You're just going through yeah. tracking this. Okay. Who owes me money? Here it is. Yeah. You yeah. know, who have I paid? Who, who you know, what yeah. am I calendar? What's, what am I missing? And you know, who am I showing a book to this week or who am I sending out, you know, packets to or whatever it is. It's all tracking there. And it takes like, like when I used to tell people that, you know, I used to learn the Wacom, the Wacom tablet. Mm -hmm. and, and so you're looking at your screen, but you're down here. Mm -hmm. And that first three days you're like, you're dizzy. It's yeah. Weird. And then all of a sudden it's like second nature. Right. But you have to go and spend a little bit of time mm -hmm. and get past the hump. But once you get past that, it's like, I mean, uh, you know, it doesn't take you two years like I did to build a program out. Yeah. Well, that's the thing you don't have to. I think it's one of the most important investments yeah. anybody who's trying to do a business can do for themselves is, is to I think adopt a system. The, and I'll say this, and I guess we talk about the misconceptions that we have mm -hmm. when you get married, there's, you have ideas of what marriage is going to be like, and then you get married. Now I'm saying it's a good, been a good run. We just had our 34th, 35th, 35th <laughs> anniversary yesterday or Monday, but Everything you do, you have an idea of what it is, and it's never the what you think it is, right? There's always, there's like, oh, I didn't know that's the way it was, right? Um, when you think, and you're in school, and you think, I want to be a photographer, I want to be a successful photographer, I want to be a working photographer, you think if you're a good photographer, you're going to be successful. That's the single biggest misconception that, and colleges don't prepare you for the real world anyways, mm -hmm. right? So they get, make you into a good photographer, but they don't prepare you for the real world. Yeah. And so the best photographers, the most talented photographers, the most gifted photographers don't make the most money or are not the most successful. And that's how the real world works. So you have to be able to be a business person. You have to be a marketer. You have to be a people person. You have to understand how humans interact. Um, I had to learn how to deal with art directors um, and not just art directors, but like when I go and try to sell myself to someone, I have to learn there's a, there's a skill set that I have to learn to make that successful. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have mm -hmm. it in the in early days. Mm 
because I, 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 I thought, again, I show my portfolio, I'm a good photographer, they'll hire me. But there's so many variables and I had to work through all that. But you have to be able to manage your business. And, um, you know, I'll give you another real quick example that's really, I tell my kids this story and they laugh. So I was working, I was, before I met my wife, Amy, but I was literally just starting out in the photography and showing my portfolio, started getting work. And I would go to the lab, drop the film off, and then I'd wait two hours, and then you do it either, what they used to call it, a snip test, where you look at your, your, your uh, first frame of a roll, and then you say, push it or pull it, and then you wait another two hours, and then you go and you deliver it to the client. So I'd get it, I'd sleeve it all up, I'd drive across town to the client, I'd go in, here's your stuff. Oh, thank you, Joel, wow, you're amazing, whatever, right? Well, I was starting to run like a crazy person, and I was, I'd say, I'm gonna, you know, the, uh, the lab, you know, will be done at three o'clock, I'll get it to you by four. Well, traffic, whatever, I'm late, right? So. The one thing that I learned is you never be you never tell someone you're going to be at a certain time and then be late because they're they're like waiting for you and maybe their bosses are waiting and they got the clients waiting it's like and then you show up an hour late it's like it's not a good thing anyways but what I realized is that I was driving all over town delivering this stuff and I wasn't getting my time wasn't being used efficiently and so I'm delivering the stuff to this one client and the client says to me Joel, you ever heard of a um, Uber, like a delivery, <laughs> a delivery service to deliver your film? Because the lab actually had a delivery service all set up for you on account. Mm-hmm. You say send it to the agency, and they have a driver pick it up, and boom. And I'm over here. I'm doing something else to make money. I don't have to drive. And I, it dawned on me. I, I never even thought of that. Oh, there, that's a, that's a possibility. I could have someone deliver my work for me. You know, and it was. It, I look back at that, and and I, I laugh. But a lot of times we're so narrow-minded. I have to do it this way. That until someone yeah. hits you on the side of the head and goes, what are you doing? Yeah. So when I say, if you want to run a successful business, you have to have a platform that runs that, that makes it to have your fingertips, everything you need to manage that business. You have to have that in place. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you're not going to be a successful photographer and you're going to have egg on your face over mm-hmm. and over mm-hmm. again. And... Um, until you learn that, you're yeah. not going to think it's important. Yeah, yeah. You're always going to be busy. Yeah. You're always going to be doing things, but you're not going to be moving forward. Right. And that's and that's that's exhausting, and that's that's what leads to burnout eventually. Yeah. Because you have to you have to be able to come back to the art, and you and you need that foundation. Um, yeah, that's really 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 important. And thank you for sharing that. I want to ask you one more question as we. Um, wrap things up and this is a question I like to ask many people I stole this one from Peter Thiel Um, it has to do with contrarian thinking and I know that you're a very independent thinker so in your field of work what is something you believe very strongly that most everyone disagrees with you on so at 19 years old 18 18 I think was the first um, class I had in photography and I was sitting with 35 38 other students and I remember sitting there and, well, you, you, at, at some point you have to put your work up. Right? You do assignment or whatever and you put it up and they all critique it. And I was watching every day, it'd be like you have three or four photographers that would go and the next, the next week it's your turn, right? And you put your work up and then they shred it, you know? And you, I remember having my work shredded and I was sitting there 
And I was like, I really want to be a photographer, but I don't think I'm talented enough. Because that, in your brain, you're thinking, I have to have talent. Somehow I have to have the magical whatever, you know, uh, that I can, you know, everything I touch is gold. And this thought came to my brain. Literally, I'm 18 years old. And I said, if I work twice as hard as everyone in this room, I think I have a chance. And I logged in because the teacher would, you have to log in your hours in the dark room. So at the end of the semester, he says, okay, let's look at the log. Who put in the most hours in the dark room here? Oh, Joel. Joel looks like he put in about twice as much hours as everyone else in here. Hmm. Guess who's going to make it in the real world? Joel. My pictures sucked, but I had this work ethic. And so I've always had that. And I've had a lot of people say, you have to be talented in this talented concept. And I think that it's true that I have this visual sort of propensity toward looking at things and how light strikes a subject and all that, but it's been developed over 40 years. It, it's this idea that you have to be talented, I think is a misnomer. And I think that I've argued with people over and over about it. And they say, you know, there is, there is a thing. If you're tone deaf, <laughs> if you try to sing, you're not yeah, going to be. There is a minimum. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But I think, and in, in my wife, Amy, always says, I don't, I'm not very creative. And I go, yes, you are. We're all creative. Um, you just haven't explored it enough. You don't have a passion enough to say, I want to be an artist and, and spend 40 years at it. And so I say to people, and I, it's, 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 it's not to tear myself down, but it's to build others up, is that if you don't feel very talented, that's not, that's, that's no normal. Don't worry. In fact, everyone in that room at, when I was 19 years old probably was feeling just like me. Like, I'm not very talented, right? Uh, how can I do this? How can I survive with all these really cool people? And so, um, but if you put the hard work toward it, and I had this um, on this slide that I've used for years, uh, this, you know, in my, my keynote stuff, uh, you know, uh, talent will outperform, uh, no, hard work will outperform talent any day of the week. And I think it's this thing that we somehow feel like we have four boys and then we could say that our boys in one area, they're they're pretty good at this, right? They're just naturally really good at something. But I don't think I've ever met a creative genius. They're out there maybe. I don't think I've ever met someone that's successful on stage or that we consider a rock star in the industry that's a creative genius. Everyone that is on the top of the rung are hard workers. Facts. Yep. So if you can outwork someone, you have a chance. You have to want it bad enough. Yep. You have to want it more than others. Want yep. it more than you want to do other things with your time. That's 100% true. Well, um, Joel, thank you so much. This has been a real treat. A pleasure to have you here to talk about these things. I hope we can do this again sometime. Yeah, and and I like I said, Paul, thank you for being a part. Have me be a part of this, and I believe in what you do and your interest. And I also like the idea that you um, have a conversation around uh, sort of like the art, the creative, the you know, it's it's kind of a fun thing, right? Yeah, we don't just sit and talk about what lens that I use when I shot a picture. 
it's like what did, what were you thinking when you shot that picture or why did you go and you know do this it's more what of kind a of person did you have to become yes exactly yeah those are the things that interest me so much so yeah. i'm that's good very much looking forward to having more of these conversations good. i think this is only the start and anyone who's already not following you we will include uh, links to your good. instagram and your website good. Um, you have fantastic courses that I think everyone should be taking uh, because it's just, if you're starting, you got to stand on somebody's shoulders and these are great shoulders to stand on, oh you know, because you, you just, you have so much years that you can prove uh, you. what you've done. So all of that. And I think you maybe will do workshops again sometime. Yeah. I mean, Amy and I, just even this weekend, we were talking about some, uh, you know, some things and, you know, about, um, or this last, you know, couple of days about maybe how I can restart those up again. That'd be great. Good. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Till next time. All right.